0: I'm so glad you're with us today. The Lord is in this place. Amen. His word is alive. His spirit is powerful. He has purposed to conform us to the image of his son. He is working all things together in our life toward that end, and he is for us. Amen. Amen. So we begin with those promises today. Uh, I want to say a special welcome to our online viewers today. We have reached a, a milestone with our YouTube audience. We have 400 subscribers now. So a big round of applause for all of them who have subscribed, and I hope you have as well. There is a, a large audience out there beyond our walls that are hearing God's word and growing and learning right along track with us, and I'm excited about that. As I'm sure you know, we live in a world that is upside down. Amen. Amen. Uh, every time I hear something that is happening in the world or has come from the world, I think, oh my goodness, it is truly upside down. It is just crazy, the thought process and how counter it is to everything in Scripture. Uh, today, we are seeing uh, one of those indicators, one of those, uh, the results of that is this idea that responsibility in this generation is despised. Have you noticed that? That those who have worked hard, those who have had success, those who have shown themselves faithful, those who have been responsible, those who even have received much as a result of their hard work, they are despised today. If you have, then you are looked down on by the ones who don't have. They have come to a place where they think, What you have, they deserve to have, having not done anything to attain it except exist. They believe they deserve what you have worked hard to accomplish and receive. Are you with me so far? That spirit is out there today. And they are bitter. They are angry. They don't want those who have succeeded to have what they have. Responsibility is despised in this day. Hard work is looked down on in this day. What a strange thing. If you're like me, you've driven up and down streets in local cities and seen sign after sign that says help wanted. Right? Hello? They're out there. There are jobs to be held. There are bonuses being given, even to work at Arby's. I saw this week. There are plenty of jobs to be had today, but the idea of working to earn is not cherished anymore. When a government begins to hand out funds for not doing anything, then people will not choose to do anything or they will choose to do nothing. Something's wrong today. There should be a spirit with a desire to work, to earn, to have a sense of purpose, to accomplish, to bring home a paycheck, to feed your family, to provide things for yourself and know that God provided this for me to provide for my family and develop an identity in that. I am a hard worker. That is a good thing. In fact, today, we might look at the world, and I'm I'm kind of in this boat. I'm having to make this transition. I can look and get real discouraged out there, but here's what I know. This is the day, this is the time for a Christian who will say, I will honor God, I will work hard, I'll get there early, I'll stay late, I'll do whatever I have to. I will seek to honor my boss. Whoever will do that today, up the ladder, you get to go. You'll get hired and you'll get promoted, amen? This is our time. If, you wanna, if we want to gain back our nation, that is one of the ways that we'll do it. We will be the ones who will work hard. We will be the ones to show up early, stay late, do whatever is necessary. Because the Bible is clear. Book of Proverbs. The diligent will rule. They will. Those who are lazy, the Bible says, will be put to forced labor. You want to do nothing? You'll get nothing. You won't get anywhere. So this is the day I'm believing we, believers, are going to do what's right, what we are called to be and do. And it will be part of the process of revival coming to our land. Amen? Amen. So this idea of uh, working hard and uh, being responsible, that's part of maturity. It's what comes with the process of growing up. You own the responsibility of working hard. You own the responsibility of providing, of taking care of things. And there's honor in that. There's honor in being a hard worker. That's what you and I as believers should seek to be. We shouldn't be the ones who slack off. We shouldn't be the one to uh, see the boss turn his back and we slouch at that moment. No, uh, we don't serve just our boss. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're on the job, we're doing our thing because he's the one that we serve. And the Bible says this kind of responsibility and maturity is an honor. It's something to be recognized. It's something to pursue. It's a reward. And so those who have accomplished, those who have done well, should have honor within the kingdom. And we seek to do that even here at Vertical. I love to honor those who have walked further in age and in faith and have shown themselves faithful that God is faithful in them. It's important. It's healthy in a church to have those who are young in age and older in age. It's important within a church to have those who are younger in the faith and those who are older in the faith. It's healthy when those exist together. It's healthy in a family when there are children and parents and grandchildren and grandparents, because the family unit grows from the life and vitality of the children, but from the wisdom and experience of the adults and grand adults, right? Amen. That's, a, that's healthy. That's healthy family. That's healthy church. I was talking to Micah, our children's director, this past week, and uh, we've just started the VBS sign for summer vacation Bible school that's coming up. And we've started not just the children's signups, which has really taken off very well, but also the volunteers are signing up. And it's not just young people, it's older people as well. So I love that. I love that the church, Vertical Church as a whole, is getting involved in the process of training up children to walk in the ways of the Lord. Those who are older and more experienced want to pass on. We want to pass on to the next generation. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like. And we hold them up in honor and in esteem. Heather and I have had people in our life that have been vital to us in the process of decision making and um, times of even crisis in our life. We've leaned on those who have walked further down the road than us for counsel, for direction. Because I don't don't care who you are, every one of us at times cannot see the full 360 degree view of our life this way or this way. Right? I need other people to help me in that process and I want people of faith to be those to me. And so that's critical. It's, It's one of the things that The Bible honors and lifts up. Maturity is that. Maturity seeks counsel. Maturity trusts God. Maturity is in Christ's likeness. The Bible puts those things together. Maturity, growth, equals Christ's likeness. We're to grow up into all things that is the head, Jesus Christ. We're to speak the truth in love to one another. And spiritual adulting happens when we begin to walk in that. When we walk away from our past, when we walk away from the ways of the world, and we say with faith, God, I trust you and you alone with my life. I will put what your word says above even what I say, and I'll walk in it. I'll honor you and I'll use the people around me who have walked in that path as my icons and example. The culture today doesn't look like that. The culture today, when it doesn't get its way, whines and complains, right? The culture today demands their way. The culture today wants reward without work. The culture today wants recognition without responsibility. And the culture today wants to act on its feelings rather than on objective faith laid down for us and objective truth given to us in the scripture. But we are called to that kind of faith, that kind of responsibility, that kind of accountability. And we want to grow up into that. We issued a challenge at the beginning of this series. We called it 60 Days of Adulting. If you're keeping count, we're down to about 30 days of that left And what we have issued the challenge is, is during these 60, now 30 days remaining, that we begin to develop the discipline of seeking God in his word. To take time every day, whether it's two minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, or two hours, to sit down and seek God in his word. And that you read until he speaks to you. And if he speaks to you within the first two verses of whatever you're reading stop. Receive what he says. Act on that. This is the process of spiritual adulting. Seeking, hearing, learning, and doing. And so if you have not begun that process, or maybe you've started, fell off, or whatever it is, you can restart. There is grace. There is mercy. There is forgiveness. Start again. If you're looking for a place to start, There's lots of places I'd recommend to you. The book of James. In the New Testament, turn to the book of James. One of the most practical, tangible, tell it like it is books in the New Testament. Turn there, read. When God speaks to you, stop. And then go on about your day. Live that truth out. As you take the steps of spiritual adulting, something will happen to you. I believe this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna see a desire come alive in you for more. When you feed on spiritual truth, you'll want more of that truth. And you'll start having less of a desire for spiritual baby food. You'll put away things that you used to feed on. There were times when our kids were very little, I would try their baby food. I actually like the plums and the prunes. They were good. Some of that chicken, turkey, and rice stuff all mashed up, that's gross. That's just terrible. I like tasting the plums and prunes, not the plumes and prums, but I would not want to make a steady diet of that. I still wanted some solid food, and so the same will happen for you. The more you walk in God's truth, you're going to notice your appetite changing, you're going to notice more of a hunger for more truth. You'll notice a sense of passion arising within you. You'll notice all of a sudden you have greater desire than you've had before. You will want to start living this stuff out. There'll be something awakened in you. That's what adulting does. Spiritual adulting awakens a passion. And if you're lacking passion today... You've got to get back to his word. That's where the life comes from. Walking in his word, walking in truth will awaken passion. It's what happens. Now, I know there's some confusion today because we think about those who are older and we think about them getting weak. We think about them not able to do what they used to. I'm one of those examples. There are times I'll go out and start working in the yard and I think, I used to do this for a lot longer than I can now. Things I used to do, I um, takes me a lot longer to now, and I hurt more afterwards, right? That's because the Bible's clear. Though our outer man is perishing, hello, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so for the believer in Jesus Christ, you may see my outer man weakening, but if you can see my inner man, it is on an uphill trajectory, and it is increasing in its passion. He is increasing in his intensity and in his sense of purpose and in his sense of, I've got to do something for Christ. I've got to help others know this truth. I've got to live this out. I've got to say something because that's what life does. And that's what spiritual life does in you. It causes a passion for more life. Amen? So today, I want us to get to that place because my My prayer and my passion for us, even as vertical church, I want us to be the church that is alive with spirit-led passion in our lives. I want us to be the church that knows truth and we are walking out that truth. I want us to be the church that is a voice, if not the voice to the culture today that says, here is the truth Here is what God says. And yes, we look a lot different than you because we are the called out ones, the chosen ones, the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is who we are. So I want us to walk in that. And my prayer even today in this message is that we will understand what it means to live with a passion, to live with this sense of I've got work to do. I've got work to do in my faith. I've got work to do in living this out. I've got work to do in making a difference in this culture today. So our message today, in keeping with our adulting theme, is called get a job and go to work. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, there's nothing more sad than seeing somebody who is old enough, able enough, equipped enough, to get a job and go to work, but not do that. But to instead sit around, do nothing, and expect everything to be done for them. That's sad and frustrating. Hello, right? It is. And people in that position have somehow believed some lies that are keeping them on the couch instead of getting them in a job. Amen? And what they need is a fire lit inside of them. Within the faith, within those who have come to Jesus Christ even, there are some who are in the same place. They somehow have believed some deceptions and lies and their faith is not something that is active, passionate, and driving them to do something. Instead, it is some little Tack on for their week, some little thing they feel like they have to do instead of being a burning passion inside them that says, I have got. To do the work of faith because I am filled with a passion for it. Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Titus in the New Testament. This is where we are Titus chapter 2. Titus, the book of Titus, so the letter to Titus is written from the Apostle Paul he was an older man in the faith writing to a younger man in the faith. Titus is a young pastor like Timothy. And so Paul is writing to him as he has equipped him and put him in place in a church to serve. And Titus needs some instruction. Titus needs some motivation. Titus needs some direction and have a fire lit inside of him. And so Paul writes to him and in chapter two, He's going to say to him, here's what you're going to need, Titus. Here's what you're going to need, but here is also what the people that you lead need. Here are the things I want you to say to them, to believe about yourself and give to them. We start in verse 11. Paul writes, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us And we're going to hold in the middle of the sentence right there. Paul is obviously referring to Jesus who has come and appeared. And he refers to him as grace. Grace has come. At a time when what you and I deserved was judgment, punishment, and death for our sin. That's right, for your sin and my sin. When what we deserved was judgment, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take our sin upon himself. That kind of standing in the way, taking the payment, the punishment for, and then giving mercy instead, that is called grace. That is the undeserved favor of God. You didn't deserve it. You deserve something very different. But grace comes from God. And your standing with him begins with him pouring out grace. And it's received by faith. And it's received by those who are humble. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And when you receive it, you receive this beautiful favor of God that comes to you and pours out forgiveness, that releases you from shame, that releases you from having to pay back your sin, that gives you peace, that ushers you right up into the very presence of God and says, you are now seated with me in the heavenlies. And not only do I forgive your sin, but I declare you righteous. Hey, nobody in this room is righteous. No, not one unless it has been given to you as a declaration by God through Jesus Christ. Amen? You don't get righteousness because you earned up enough uh, brownie points, Boy Scout points, Girl Scout points, you know. It's not like the old Awana days where you wore a little vest to Awanas and you got little patches for everything you did and you earned your way up to cubby status, right? If you've been in the church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't work that way with God when it comes to righteousness. He gives the gift of righteousness by faith. And then you begin to do righteous things. Amen? This is the order in the process for how it works. And Paul says, look, the grace of God has appeared in the form of Jesus Christ. And he has appeared to all. And when you receive it, it will begin a process of rescuing you. It brings salvation. It rescues you. You've been caught in the cords of guilt. You keep replaying the tape of your past. Grace comes in and takes the tape and erases it. You don't have to play the tape of your guilt and your sin anymore in Jesus Christ. That is good news. Amen? And he he puts a new tape in the VCR. It's a tape of righteousness of all the things that Jesus has done, and then he says, these are now yours. This is who you are now in him. This kind of stuff begins to teach. This kind of stuff begins to shape us. It begins to do what this verse says. It teaches us. It puts us in the place of receiving this kind of grace. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you sit as a student still taking in what this grace means. Hello? You do, because it's one thing for for me to read in the Bible that I have been declared righteous, blameless, and without fault. I can read that. I can say, God, I receive that. But now i got to begin the process of how do I live that out? How do I renew my mind to know that truth and walk in that truth? How do I do this, God? That's what grace does. It teaches us. And so today I want us to look at five areas that you and I need to go to work, the work of faith. This is the most important part of your life. I'm not saying that today as just church talk. I'm serious, (laughs) as if we wouldn't be serious here in church, right, and tell the truth. I want to drive this point home, though. There's nothing more important in your life than your faith. This is not an add-on to your work to your activities, to your family, to your kids. No, this is the foundation. This is the basis. This is where it starts. There's nothing more important than this in your life. So here's some things that I would say we need to go to work on. Number one, we need to go to work on believing and living in the grace of God. This is work. It takes work to believe this truth. It takes work to remind yourself of these things. It takes work to Shut down any voices that tell me anything different. Hello? It it takes work to do that, to shut down the voices that tell me I am not righteous, I am not blameless, I am not declared holy, I am not his, I am not secure in him. There are voices that try to tell you that every day. They're, They're whispering to you. They're whispering to you right now. Hello? In fact, I just want to pray right now that those voices would be shut out of this room. Amen? Because they will not be helpful from this point on. They never are. But what God is doing here today, we have got to shut those voices down. Amen? Let's do it. Father, in Jesus' name, we claim this space for you. Not just this room, but our minds and our heart. We submit ourselves to you. You are our Lord. You are truth. You are alive. You are in us. You are working through us. And spirits of deception and despair and condemnation and fear... And anxiety and depression, you must flee because you do not belong here in this place. You do not belong in the bodies that are the temple of the Holy Spirit in this place. So we command you to leave, to be gone, that we might hear truth and truth alone this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yes. You see, the Bible's clear that when you and I are really walking in this grace, it changes us. One of the verses that I just still can't get over is Romans 5:17. Listen to it. For if by the one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who have or who receive abundance of grace, And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Yes, those who receive the abundance of grace and believe in this this truth about righteousness, they will reign in life. They will sit on top of instead of having life sit on top of them. They will be over and not under. They'll not be under with discouragement, depression, and despair. They'll be on top with victory and purpose and passion. Amen? That's what you and I are called to. That's the kind of life I want. Do you want that kind of life where you reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? This is what he invites you to. This is what it looks like when you're a spiritual adult. You get to the place where you reign in life. You're on top instead of under. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the voices that tell me that life is a struggle and I'll never break free from sin. Hey, I'm tired of that voice. That voice is not from God. I may be tempted with sin, but I am not under sin anymore in Jesus Christ. I am free from it. I'm not under its reign anymore. So I'm gonna shut that voice out. No more. I don't wanna hear that voice anymore. I'm tired of hearing the voice That says, I'm a slave to old habits. I'm not ever going to change. I'm this way. I was born this way. I'm corrupted. I am incapable. I cannot change. No. In Jesus Christ, you have been made a new person. All things are possible in Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm tired of hearing Voices that tell me I can't reign in life through Jesus Christ. That I just have to somehow make it through. Life is hard, and the best you can do is just hope to make it through your day and get back home to your recliner. Bull. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to listen to that voice anymore. That's not who I am in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I'm tired of listening to the voice that says, I'm nothing more than a sinner. Look, I understand I'm just a sinner saved by grace, but why can't we say, I'm just a saint now, saved by grace? I'm just a child of God now, saved by grace. Don't say, I'm just a sinner. If you've come to Jesus Christ, all things have been made new. You are not a sinner anymore. Hello? You may sin, but that doesn't, that's not because of who you are. There's a difference. You might sin now, but you are a child of God now. There's a difference between... Being a child of God who sins and a sinner that sins all the time. He's under it all the time. And so I don't want to hear the voice anymore that says, I'm just a sinner. You're not. You have been made new in Jesus Christ. I'm tired of the voice that says, I'll never amount to anything. Oh, yes, I will. I am being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm going I'm to amount to everything. Amen? Are y'all with me this morning? Okay, all right. I'm tired of the voices that say, there are no greater delights for me in Jesus Christ. That somehow that walk of faith is boring. It's so puritanical. It's so lifeless. It's so, ugh. No, you, you don't understand. There is life and truth in Jesus Christ. He has come that I might have life and have it more abundant. There ain't nobody that's gonna have better life than the child of God in this world. Amen? I'm tired of hearing the voices that say, my, my purpose is just to work, eat, sleep. No, I will not fall prey to that message. There is a whole lot more to who you and I have been made in Jesus Christ. And so I'm ready to believe What grace says. I'm ready to keep learning what grace is teaching. It's time that we break out of some old messages. It's time that we break out of the spirit of defeat. It's time that you and I start believing this truth. Amen? Amen. Let's go on in the passage. He says also that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we're still part of a sentence here. We're going somewhere in this, but this second part says, here's what we do. Here's another work that we must do. Here's something you and I have to do if you're gonna walk in the faith. You have to learn to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. It's interesting, this word uh, denying here, if if you track it, this same word was used to describe Peter on the night that Jesus was arrested. Because on that night... Peter denied that he knew the Lord. In Matthew 26, 72, it says that he denied with an oath that Peter said when confronted about, do you you know that man? Weren't you with him? Aren't you one of his disciples? Peter responded with this very declarative statement. I don't know that man. That's what Peter said on that night he denied that he knew the Lord. Aren't you glad there was forgiveness for Peter and grace for Peter? But what I want to really, really drill down on here is this word denying because in that moment, Peter was saying, I don't know that man. He was denying that he knew who Jesus was. And this word here, deny, I don't know him I don't know that man. I'm not connected with him. That word is used here. And so here, Paul says what you and I must do as believers in Jesus Christ is get to the place where when ungodliness raises up from within, a temptation comes from within, or a a, a temptation comes from outside and tries to tell you you ought to do this, or you ought to do this, and all of a sudden that temptation or that lust says, you know, you ought to give in to this. You ought to be a slave to this. You ought to listen to me. That we say to that voice, hey, I don't know that man. When you hear that voice telling you who you used to be, who you ought to try to be, what temptation you ought to give in to, that's the moment you say to fear, to anxiety, to lust, to greed, to despair, to discouragement. Hey, I don't know you. I used to know you, but you don't live here anymore. Somebody moved, new has moved into to this address. A new person now lives in this house, and he's not like he used to be. And so now I don't listen to old voices anymore. Amen. A new person has moved in. Are you with me this morning? So I intentionally deny them. I don't try to have conversations with them, those voices. I don't try to reason with them. I don't try to negotiate with them. I don't try to work out a plan so that we can somehow coexist together. I don't debate with them. I deny them. They don't get a voice. They don't get an opportunity to speak. They don't have a place at the table. They don't belong there anymore. The second area that you and I have to go to work on is denying urges that keep you from absolute, sold-out, surrendered godliness. That's work. You do the work of it. This is what maturity does. Maturity goes to work. Spiritual adulthood goes to work and says, lust... Appetites that are ungodly, worldly ideas, concepts, comparison, jealousy, insecurity, immaturity. You don't get a voice here anymore. You're not at the table anymore. I deny you the opportunity to be in my house. I don't know you. So I reject the voices that say, I'm still a sinner, I'm filled with sin. At my core, I'm still a sinner. I reject all the voices that say, I don't pursue God. I will always fail. I can't hear God. I'm incapable of being used by God. I'm always choosing the wrong thing. I am dirty or defiled or I'm selfish. No, I deny those voices. And that's what you and I must do. If we are gonna grow up in the faith, you get to a place of maturity, you're honest, And if you're tempted, you recognize I'm being tempted from a source that's not me, a voice that's not me. Just because a voice says something to you or just because you have that urge does not mean that is who you are. If you are a male and you wake up one day feeling female you're still a male hello come on now just because you have some urge look just because i have from time to time in my life have had anxiety depression or fear does not mean that I am somehow broken and can't ever be free from that. I am freed from that in Jesus Christ. I might be afraid from time to time, but that's not who I am anymore. I know who I am and I go to what he says I am and then I can walk in truth. I am not the label that the world wants to put on me. I'm gonna go off my script for just a moment here. Be careful what somebody with a certificate on their wall gives you as a label. Be careful because what you own in a label will determine what you do in your life. If you wear the label of broken unfixable you'll live in a spirit of defeat but if you'll own the label that god gives you you are my child you have been made new you are a new creation in jesus christ i've come that you might have a sound mind i've come that you might have a spirit of power and of self-control I have made you an ambassador for my son. I've called you to be the salt and the light of the world. You start walking in those labels, you'll find yourself getting free from what somebody else has given you as a label. Amen. Don't 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 listen to those labels that come from a certificate or that come from the enemy that tell you oh, this is just the way you are. Just because you had this urge that the world and the world of deception would want you to think because you have the urge, you are that. That is a lie from the pits of hell. And he, the enemy, is using that to deceive countless people today. Slavery happens when you own the label. Don't own the label that the world gives you. Deny that. Deny anything that keeps you from walking in godliness. Deny the urges and deny the appetites. The verse goes on and it says, We should then instead live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. There's a way we don't live. We don't live by the urges and appetites of the world anymore, but we do live soberly, righteously, and godly. It's interesting it starts off with saying we should. That means this is something intentional. It's something that happens with purpose, It's not something that just happens. You don't just happen upon growing up in Christ. You don't just happen to be mature. It happens when you're intentional about it, when you set aside time for it, when you do the work of it. You get the job of maturity and you go to it, get after it. You grow up in it. You're intentional and you're sober. Sober in the process. Sober means not living under the mind altering influence of anything else. Hello? That's what it means. You don't become intoxicated with alcohol or drugs or anything that could alter your thinking. You don't become intoxicated with the ways of the world. You don't become intoxicated with thoughts and ideas that the world is proposing. Instead, you say, if I'm going to be intoxicated by anything, I'm going to be intoxicated by the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. I'm going to get drunk on what he says I am. And it may make me act crazy. It may alter the way I think. So be it. Don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul would say. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what you and I do. We live righteously, godly. And I love the fact that he adds this piece here at the end of this section. He says, in this present age. And that was true then, and it's true now. Because whenever you're reading this, it's the present. It's now. Yeah. If I say it again, it's now. It's not then, it's now. It's present now. And now. And now. Still now. Still present. Right? So... This is what you and I do. We we do the work of knowing how to live out our faith now, right now. Not not just yesterday, not sometime in the future, now. Right now, present, in this age. And it's tough in this age today because there's such a whirlwind and storm that's pulling everything in an opposite direction than everything the Bible says, right? And, And if you're not careful, you just get caught up in all of it. Pretty soon you're just going the way that the world goes. And there's so many terms that the world is using today. There's so many things that are happening. It just gets crazy. So you and I have to do the work. Here's point number three. We have to go to work on thinking with biblical clarity and living by truth. That takes work. But this is what you and I are called to. I'm not just going to think naturally. I'm not just going to think with my own mind. I'm going to think biblically about what's happening in the world today. And it takes work to get into God's word, to read it, seek him, say, God, speak to me in it, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to choose it, to walk in it, to put it ahead of everything else. That's work. That's maturity. This is what you and I are called to. We make it a priority. When you do that, then you'll be able to think clearly about what's happening in our world. And I am passionate for us as a church to think this way, to think based on truth, to interpret what's happening in the culture by truth, and to clearly understand how to speak back to the culture and say, no, Here is the way. Walk in it. So here's what I'm going to do and invite you to next Sunday night. Those who would like to. And I'll say up front, this will not be easy. It will be challenging. It will be a challenge to your faith. It will be a challenge to your mind. Come here next Sunday night, and here's going to be the topic. Biblical justice versus social justice. Yes, We are going to identify terms like critical theory, critical race theory, social justice, social equity, intersectionality, white fragility. We're just going to deal with all those terms because some of those you listen to and you think they sound kind of Christian Social justice, it almost sounds Christian. Listen, that term could not be further from what God has designed in his word for truth and justice for people. But if you do not know the origins, if you do not know their purposes, you will be sucked up into it and drawn away by it. So at this next Sunday night at 6 p.m., we're going to watch a video by a man named Vody Bauckham. And he does an outstanding job at defining these terms and helping Christians know, how do we interpret what's happening today? How do we put to practice these things and walk in truth He's written a book recently called Fault Lines. If you've not gotten this book yet, I'd encourage you to get it. The subtitle is called The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. Uh, Vodi Balkum, I believe, has earned the right to speak on these matters. Incredibly educated, well versed, and done his work. And we'll watch the video. I'll say again, I recognize this is not going to be for everybody. It's going to be intense. It's a little long. We're not having child care for it. We're not doing a bunch of fancy snacks or anything. It's not easy. But it will be important. And if you want to know the definition of those terms and what the Bible says about them and how we live in this age, how we live righteously, godly in this present age, this would be important for you. That's next Sunday night at 6 p.m. So back to our verse or passage, it goes on in verse 13. He says, we're also to be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Such an important part of life today. If there wasn't something to look ahead to, it would be pretty discouraging to live in what's happening today. But there is a king who's coming. There is a king who will catch his bride away. There is a king who will cause this world to walk through a time of tribulation unlike anything this world has ever seen. And there is a king who will return at the end of that time and will sit on his throne of judgment for all. Amen? And so we look forward, we have a hope in what is ahead. he goes on and he says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. This is what Jesus did. He came to redeem. This is to buy back. If you lived in the 70s like I did, every time you went to the grocery store, you got some little stamps from the cashier. It's kind of like at the store, you know, sometimes now one of the stores will have like a Monopoly game or something like that going on. You get these little tokens, you go home and see if you can, you know, all that stuff. So back in the day, you would get what was either called green stamps or top value stamps, and based on the amount of money that you spent, you got both or either one, whichever the store did. And so you collected these stamps and you took them home and you put them inside these books. And I remember helping my mom do this. I licked a lot of, you know, top value stamps and you stuck them. They're a little bitty, smaller than postage stamps. And you put them inside these books and you just saved them up. The cool thing was they had a catalog, kind of like a Christmas catalog almost, full of products. There were toasters, and there were toys, and there was blenders, and there was stuff all in there that was so magical looking. And once you found what you wanted, you looked, and they would say, if you want this toy, it's five books of stamps. So I'm all in on helping mom go to the store, buy stuff, get stamps, fill the book, go to the, you know what it's called? The Redemption Center in Wynwood, in Oak Cliff. They had a redemption center. Come on. I don't remember if it was green stamps or top value stamps. Anybody remember which one it was? Thank you, O'Cliffs. All right. So you took your green stamp books and you went in there, and people were going in there with stacks of them and small stacks and big stacks, and they were coming to redeem their stamps. They had collected them and they were coming to redeem a product that was being held captive on the store shelf. It needed to be set free into my possession so that I could use it for my glory. You know what Jesus Christ did for you? You were stuck on a store shelf being used by the enemy for him to parade around to use at his disposal. He sent his son who would pay the price and would come to rescue you, redeem you out of that place so that you could be used for his glory. Woo, yes. So when he says here, he came to redeem us, he didn't put a period after us. He said, redeem us from every lawless deed. Every one of them. There wasn't anything left. Everyone you did, everyone you're doing, and everyone you ever will do, he did it. Then at the cross, amen. He did, it's done. I know that sounds like good news, but that's what it's called the good news. It's true. I find hope in this because for every lawless deed, everything about your past that you say, I'm a little bit embarrassed about this thing I did, I'm a little bit ashamed of that thing, I don't want anybody to know about that thing. Hello, what he does, he takes that lawless deed and he redeems it and actually uses it to show his greater glory in your life. I know you don't like talking about those things you did, but when you can talk about the forgiveness that came for those things you did, he uses it to show his glory. He redeems it. He makes it for something it hasn't been before. Let's start wrapping this thing up. Let's get down to the end here. He says, and purify for himself his own special people. He's putting together a people. He has a purpose for a people. He's chosen them. He's going to use them. You didn't come to Christ by your choice. You came by his choice. He has a purpose. Your life's not random. Hello, your sins weren't random. Hello, your future is not random. He's gonna use all of them to reveal his glory. He's redeemed you from every lawless deed because he has a purpose for you. So what you and I have to go to work on is knowing you were redeemed for a holy purpose. You were. Your life is not just about getting up, going to work, coming home, go to sleep. That's not who you are. It may be what you do, But you have been redeemed for higher purposes than that. You have been chosen. You have been purified. Past tense in this verse, by the way. It has been done. It has been accomplished. And those who believe it and will receive it, they'll reign in life. Doesn't mean they won't fail again, but they got a place to go when they do fail. And that's not who they are. It's just what they did. Hello? Those are two different things. So it's time for you and I to raise up into that place and recognize what we've got to go to work on. I got to go to work on knowing you were redeemed for a holy purpose. Go to work on that. When you do that, the last part of this verse or passage will come true. You will be zealous for good works. You'll be passionate. You'll be on fire. You can't put it out. You can't make it stop. It comes alive in you, it goes all over you, and it starts flowing out all from you. You become passionate about others knowing Christ. You become passionate about living out your faith. You become passionate about seeking God in his word. In fact, our last point today is you become obsessed with using all of you, him using all of you, to show all of him. Every bit of your life, nothing held back. Every part used by him. And this is God's calling to us. I'm gonna limit it on down, just not to believers in general, but vertical church right here. Us. He's calling us. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to cut ties with the past. It's time to deny some voices. It's time to pick up the cause of some true voices that come from heaven. It's time to see our life as redeemed. It's time to see our life as righteous. It's time to see our life as purpose. Last thing today, you have this verse, this passage ends. Look what it ends with. Speak these things, Titus. Exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you. This is my command today as a pastor. I'm here to speak. I'm here to exhort. I'm here to call. I'm here to encourage you. And I'm here to rebuke all the voices that say you can't be, that you aren't going to be, that you have never arrived and never will. I'm I'm here to tell you today, you have been set free in Jesus Christ. You're no longer a slave to sin. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been given his purpose. You've been called to stand up straight in the Lord. You've been called to be righteous. You've been called to be holy. You've been called to be the ground and the pillar of truth in this world. Let's be that. Amen? Amen. 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 Stand with me as we pray today. Father, I thank you. I thank you that more than anything else, you want us to grow up into you, into the fullness of what you've called us to be, into the fullness of who we are in you. So today, we deny every voice that tells us we can't be, shouldn't be, or are not going to be because by grace, we have been saved through faith not by our works not by our efforts but by your grace alone and to that we stand today we stand that it comes to us by your grace we stand that it comes to us through faith and we will walk this week in this truth we will grow up in the faith we'll do the work do the work of seeking you do the work of knowing your ways, do the work of walking in your ways, that we might be a people who are passionate, fiery, burning, and zealous to do good for your glory. We pray in the name of the one who has come to set us free and has set us free. Our Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You may be seated.